0: blog talk radio
1: You might see me moving. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This podcast is made possible by Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today our guest is Kenneth Servant, but we also know him as Gene Veritas. He has been active in the Huntington's community since his mother's diagnosis with the disease in 1995. She died of HD in 2006 after a 20-year fight. He tested positive for the HG gene in 1999. His daughter, Bianca, tested negative in the womb and is today a healthy 18-year-old college student. Since 1998, Serben has served as a volunteer advocate for the Huntington's Disease Society of America. He adopted the pseudonym Gene Veritas in January 2005 when he started the blog At Risk for Huntington's Disease. He has posted 270 articles on numerous aspects of HD, its social aspect, I'm sorry, its social impact, and the quest for treatment. In 2007, he helped initiate the effort in California to obtain funding for HD research from the state's world-leading stem cell institute. In 2011, Servin came out about his gene-positive status by keynoting the 6th Annual HD Therapeutics Conference sponsored by CHDI Foundation. That year, he was also named the HDSA Person of the Year. In 2012, he went fully public, publishing the essay, Racing Against the Genetic Clock, in the Chronicle of Higher Education. In 2017, Serban, his wife Regina, and daughter Bianca participated with HD families from around the world in Hidden No More, Pope Francis' special audience with the HD community at the Vatican in Rome. A scholar of Brazilian history, Serbin has also also collaborated with advocates for the Brazilian Huntington's Association. Serbin is a professor in the Department of History at the University of San Diego. Ken, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing?
0: I'm great, Lauren. Uh, yeah, it's really a, a pleasure and an honor to be on the program today, and uh, I, so thank you for having me. And I wanted to thank you and uh, everybody at Help for HD and what you're you're doing for our cause.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad to have you on the show, especially starting off um, HD Awareness Month. I think this is a you know a huge thing. We're going to have um, a big month this year or this this time and um, and I'm just really glad that you decided to join us. And I wanted to let people know as well that if you're tuning in right now we do have the chat available you are welcome to ask questions um, as we do the interview and I will share those questions with Ken. Uh, so Ken I'm going to let you kind of roll with however you you know want to start. I think my biggest you know thing is, I'll ask questions throughout, probably, because um, I'm really bad about doing that. <laughs> uh, Katie tends to, to stay on uh, on track with her questions, and I tend to think of a million as I go along. But one of the questions that I had that normally I don't think people think about is, um, what does Gene Veritas mean?
0: No, that's a great question to start with. Yes, uh, I uh, chose that pseudonym in 2005 because I was still in what I uh, call the terrible and lonely HD closet. And uh, everybody is familiar in the HD community with that that situation of being in, in the closet. So many families uh, have been in the HD closet and so many individuals, too. And I... Started the blog in 2005 and didn't want to put out my real name so I thought of a pseudonym and I think the very first line I wrote in uh, the blog was something like my name is Gene Veritas and I'm at risk for Huntington's disease and I chose it because Gene, uh, I, by that at that point I had already tested for the gene and so Gene uh, means uh, that I'm a gene carrier, and veritas is the Latin word for truth. So uh, gene veritas really means the truth in my genes. That's how I've often translated it. And by coincidence, uh, maybe more than coincidence, also veritas is, Part of the motto of my alma mater. I was very fortunate to attend Yale University as an undergraduate, and its motto is Lux et Veritas, which means light and truth. And so whenever I think of my pseudonym, I always think of, I also think of my uh, college years and my alma mater. So in fact, uh, the Yale Alumni Magazine wrote a little note at one point talking about the fact that I had chosen that, that pseudonym. But the, the most important aspect is the fact that it's the truth in my genes, which is the fact that I'm a, a gene carrier for HD. And the fact that I am a gene carrier means that I, I uh, uh, inevitably will develop symptoms someday and uh, am in the fight to defeat this disease with, with you and, and everybody out there in our community.
1: And you certainly fight hard. I mean, you are such an inspiration to me. I have so much respect for you and, uh, and read your blog religiously. Um, you know, you, your blog is amazing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your blog?
0: Sure. I, I, uh, the blog uh, began in January of 2005. It was suggested by uh, a college friend who's a professional journalist who had been helping me with a newsletter. I was the newsletter newsletter editor for the San Diego chapter of HDSA and uh, written, you know, numerous articles. And again, all anonymously, I come. did did the HDSA San Diego newsletter without my name appearing anywhere, even though I was basically doing the whole thing by myself, writing, editing, taking pictures, laying out. (laughs) We used to have folding parties on Friday evenings when the newsletter came out at our chapter uh, so that people could uh, put the address labels on. And uh, so – and then, get the thing taken off to the post office, but then, from working on the newsletter, I transitioned uh well my my my, my college friend uh, norman uh, who is also my blog editor to this day, he uh suggested that i that I do this blog and uh, we uh, I started the blog in January of two thousand and five and but I still wanted to remain in that closet. And, in fact, part, part of the purpose of the blog was to be able to unburden myself of, of all the, the tension uh, that uh, affected me and my family dealing with Huntington's disease. As you said, my mom died in 2006, so I started my blog just about uh, a year before my mom died. The blog started in January of 2005, and she died in February of 2006. So uh, it was a way for me to, to talk about uh, my mother's suffering and symptoms. And, for example, one of my articles was about whether my mother should get a feeding tube, which was a very difficult decision that my family faced and many other HD families have faced. You know, when, when the person is at end, in, in the end-of-life stages of the disease, you know, uh, how, how long do they keep that suffering going, or do they just let the person die without medical assistance? So the blog dealt with topics such as that, and, you know, the very very personal and, and, and extremely difficult uh, conditions that we face with, with Huntington's disease. So the blog began as that. And as as I kept writing over the years and and stayed healthy, I I really think that I I can't prove this scientifically, but uh, doctors have told me and and scientists have told me that uh, having the blog uh, has been a really valuable outlet for me. I, I think it's helped me avoid symptoms because I'm 59 and a half years old and at this stage in her life, my mom had full-blown Huntington's. She died at age 68, mm-hmm. and we believe her symptoms started in her late 40s. So now I'm well beyond my mom's age of onset, and uh, so far, so good, fingers crossed. Every day is is, is is a blessing to be without symptoms, and I think the blog has helped me uh, to... Uh, avoid symptoms by staying active mentally and by being, staying in touch with the community, staying in touch with my own feelings about Huntington. So it's been extremely valuable. And that's why in the beginning, I didn't care if anybody really knew who I was. And I was happy to be anonymous because it was just a way to share. And, and, and people then started sharing their feelings about HD in the blog comments and in emails and, and in phone calls and other, other ways. And so the blog has continued, and then in recent, in recent years, it's focused even more uh, than it. In the beginning, uh, there wasn't much to say about treatments, but now that we're getting into clinical trials with Huntington's disease, I've written a lot about uh, the, the potential treatments, especially the IONIS-Roche clinical trial program, uh, which I'm very mm-hmm. fortunate to live in San Diego. Carlsbad where Ionis is located is just about a 35 40 minute drive from my house so I one of the early blog articles I did was to go up to Ionis Pharmaceuticals and interview them about their program and I've kept track of the program all these years and uh, so I've also used the blog as a way to help Bring the science to our community in an understandable way, uh, because science is not easy. HD science is not easy to understand. So I've I've strived, to, you know, using the help of the scientists, you know, guiding me in this process. I've I've, I've strived to uh, really put the the science into as simple language as possible and and help bring hope to the community by. Uh, saying that, yes, you know, look, there are people out there who are trying to help us.
1: I I think you do an amazing job with it. Um, You know, I think that uh, I I love that you go into so much detail with your blog. And, yes, you definitely – um, explain it in a way for us to understand what's going on. Because a lot of times, like you said, if you read the scientific side of it, it's really hard to understand what's really happening. If you read your blog, you're able to understand, okay, this is where we stand. This is what we have to look forward to. But you also um, look at, at not just the hope, but you a lot of your blog posts, you're looking at all sides of it, and I just really love that.
0: Absolutely, Lauren. Uh, I, I've, uh, written articles about a, uh, whenever, whenever something, uh, comes up in our community that's critical, I, I try to address it, uh, you know, genetic testing, uh, 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 uh dating, uh, 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 family planning, uh, just, uh, you know, end of, uh, uh, uh caregiving, uh, uh, my own strategies for uh, trying to stay healthy uh, supplements, you know, do, do we, or do we not take supplements? I mean, i uh, these are all big questions that our community has faced and I've, I've tried to, to tackle them uh, in, in, in the blog. And, uh, you know, I even did an article several years back on uh, the unfortunate situation of a Uh, Huntington's man who was detained by the police, uh, and that video of him being held down on the ground went viral. And, uh, so I wrote uh, a very, uh, much in, you know, the deep, deep, uh, very much an in-depth blog article on that, on that incident and what that meant for our community and, you know, quality of care, Mm -hmm. uh, in, 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 you know, long-term care facilities and nursing homes, uh, so you're absolutely right, and it's it's because there are so many issues in HD, as you know so well. There, it, it just touches on so many things uh, in in people's lives, and because it is a genetic disease, a fam, it's a family disease, and so extended families get in, involved in this process, and so it's just it's a very very uh, uh, complex, but at the same time, just disease that that is very wide. Ranging in, in its impact on on these extended families.
1: Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. And I and the other thing that I really love about you, Ken, is that you know you are uh, you tested. You are considered pre-symptomatic. And um, for somebody else who is presymptomatic, it's really nice to see you. You know what your journey is, and kind of how you're fighting, and you're you're getting the information out there and um, sharing it with the Huntington's community. And obviously, we're all striving to do that. But it's such a huge deal um, to have somebody who um, you know who is pre-symptomatic and and does what's going on in his life, and and is looking at all the research and explaining it to a you know because I mean I have a baby, I don't have time right now to to go and find all the research like I could before. So it's huge for me that you do it. And I just cannot tell you how much I appreciate all that you do for the Huntington's community.
0: Well, as I like to say, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're all in this together and and together we're going to beat HD. Uh, We can't, we can't do it alone. And uh, you're right uh, about the blog in the sense that also that in the sense that, uh, yes, it's, it's also about building awareness. Uh, that takes me back to your original question of how did I get going with the blog? Because my my friend Norman, you know, who's my blog editor, he, he reads every, he's a professional journalist. So he reads every article and makes sure that there are no grammatical errors and that I've answered all the questions and that, and, uh, you know, he just, he makes sure that it's a, in, in tip-top shape before I put it out there, and I refer to him as my Huntington's alter ego. And uh, <laughs> so when 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 we <laughs> and and he's and he's a college friend, and uh, interestingly, he he knew about Huntington's disease before me because as a young journalist in the early 1980s, he wrote about uh, a Huntington's disease family that was like one of his first assignments as a as a journalist. And so, before Huntington's came into my family, he already knew what it was. But I'm bringing in this background because he and I had conversations about, well, how do we raise more money for HDSA? How do we raise awareness about Huntington's? And and so the blog, the blog uh, is also a way of doing that. I mean, obviously, uh, help for HD, HDSA, you know, we have a face. I mean. Uh, CHDI, I mean, Huntington's, the, Huntington, the, the Heter- Hereditary Disease Foundation, I mean, all the groups out there, we're all working very hard to raise awareness and, 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 exactly. and you know, and we're all looking for, for, the, for the treatment and hope maybe someday the cure. So we're all working on awareness. And so uh, the, my blog is trying to do its, its, its small part to be part of the, uh, the awareness building.
1: Yeah, that's amazing, and, and you're exactly right. We're all working towards that same thing,
0: and, and that's what as, as that's what HD Awareness Month is about. Uh, and uh, so I'm I'm so glad that I'm and I'm honored to be on the very first day of HD Awareness Month to be interviewed, so that we can we can help for we can further raise HD awareness today. Uh, yeah, I'm
1: so excited that you were able to do it. Uh, I know I didn't give you a lot of time so I'm I so glad that you said that you could and um and I'm just I'm just so excited. I mean I would love to have you on the show again too because I know there are a million you know topics that we could talk about. You've addressed so sure. many things in your blogs. Um but I do have a question about your H D journey. Um obviously you um you came out about having H D, you you didn't drop the pseudonym but you uh uh revealed who you were, how was that for you?
0: Do you mean the process of of coming out about HD?
1: Yeah, I mean, how did it make you feel? Was the process hard? Um, You know, did you feel a sense of relief whenever you finally um, revealed who you were? Or did you feel, you know, better with just having the pseudonym?
0: Well, for I, uh, I think deep down, I knew that someday I'd I'd need to go public uh, in some way or another because uh, it's very hard to be an advocate uh, without telling people about your story. And for example, I would go in the early years. I would go to galas. You know, we have uh, here in San Diego. Uh, uh, we've had the a gala like so many other chapters since the early 2000s, and uh, I would go to the galas uh, and have, volunteer for the galas. I was writing the newsletter that we would distribute at the galas, and uh, but I would never tell anybody my story. I would just be there as a volunteer at the at the gala, and I remember one time uh a uh i had given a a talk about my my work as a scholar uh, in, uh of of brazil uh somebody wanted to hear me talk about brazil which is uh my passion as a scholar uh, of the past 30 years a country that i consider my second home my wife is from brazil i speak portuguese our daughter is uh, dual citizen Brazilian American, and wow. I had met this one couple uh, at a talk uh, on Brazil, and then uh-huh, a year or two later, they showed up at one of our galas, and so it was like, wow, it's like they were like wanting to know what are you doing at this gala here? and I said, well this is my this is my personal you know uh, commitment to to charity and and to you know to making a difference. And I, I didn't tell them my story. And, uh, so it's that kind of situation that was very difficult for me because uh, I was afraid of being outed because nobody in my, uh, uh, nobody at my work knew my status. I was worried about losing my job, worried about losing my insurance, uh, and uh, if I were ever to switch jobs, could I, could I get health insurance again? All of the concerns that <laughs> our uh, people in our community and other communities have. And so uh, it was that type of situation that I, I think I wanted to not have anymore. And so I, I, I thought that deep down, you know, someday I'm going to have to go public to be a more effective Advocate. And I think that mm-hmm. since I've gone public, that's allowed me to be a much, much better advocate, an honest advocate. I can talk openly about HD and my family situation, my mom, my own gene carrier status without having to worry about being uh, hidden anymore. You know, be, I'm no longer in that terrible and lonely closet because it was very lonely in that closet. I mean, you can imagine. How I felt you know after after going to the gala like that, and then coming home and talking to my wife about this, and like, wow, it's like I really just felt bad that i I couldn't and wouldn't at that point share my story and uh so there was a lot of a lot of fear of what would happen if I did come out of the closet and so I think that uh when I did uh, go public little by little. I, I mean, I, I did, I did some practice runs, uh, for example, in, in 2010, I got invited to give a, a talk, uh, in Brazil. And so I decided to do a dry run of a Huntington's coming out speech in Portuguese in Brazil. And, uh, it was a very interesting experience and, uh, But I was was, uh, sure that nobody in the United States would get wind of what I had done in Brazil in this speech that I gave, and uh, nobody did. And and then it was a year later that I gave my talk at CHDI, uh, where I came out to all of the scientists and to the HD community but I still hadn't come out to the general public. And so I kind of did this Mm -hmm. in stages. And and then the final stage, of course, was in 2012. My gosh, that's almost seven years ago already. In 2012, I wrote an article for the Chronicle of Higher Education uh, called... uh, uh, racing against the genetic clock in which I summarized my story and said that. And I used my own name at, as the byline, Kenneth P. Serban. I uh, used that name as the byline of my article. And I did explain in the article who Gene Veritas was, why I had been Gene Veritas. And that, uh, that article then really uh, just shocked all of my colleagues at work, uh, people from uh around the country who had uh known me as a professional uh scholar of Brazilian history now knew that I was uh, also this Huntington's disease advocate and uh so it was it was quite a thing for me and for my university and for my family and for the HD community for me to be able to write that article and I I wrote that article because I for many reasons, and one of them was that I didn't. I wanted to take away the fear of talking about Huntington's disease, and mm-hmm. uh, and one and I was uh, felt that I was able to do it at that point because, uh, thank goodness for the Affordable Care Act, which uh, got rid of this nonsense about pre-existing conditions. Uh, I mean, you know, the other the other people that I hid my HD status from was from my very own health plan. That that's an mm-hmm. absolutely absurd situation. But that's that's the that's been the reality of the American medical situ- system that you you hide your conditions because you're afraid of losing your coverage. And so I am ever thankful for the Affordable Care Act and what it's done in terms of Pre-existing conditions, and uh, also the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act was also uh, now a part of our nation's uh, uh, law, and so those those things, uh, along with other factors, uh, ha- you know, led me to to finally decide it's time to it's time to come out, uh, and uh, so you know I you know, I had debates. With uh, uh, over the years, with people like my uh, editor Norman Oder, and you know, debated with my wife, debated with close friends, other people, and 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 people in the HD community. You know, when do I come out? How do I come out? And everybody just said, "Well, you'll know the right moment. You'll know the right moment." My wife used to say to me that you'll know the the right moment, and I think the right moment came. And I, in 2012, and since then uh to this point i have not to my knowledge have suffered any uh discrimination uh and of course i'm still uh i have been i'm asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic and uh you know who knows what will happen if, if if and when i become symptomatic things could change but up to this point uh i've been treated with respect and uh uh it's been a very positive ex- experience for me.
1: Yeah. And that's wonderful. I'm so glad that you didn't get any type of um, pushback or discrimination, um, which would be a huge concern. Um, you know, and and that's amazing. I'm sure that really helps with that fear too and not getting any type of um, push back. So, you know, obviously you've been able to share a whole lot more over the years and deal with controversial issues and, um, Makes a difference. Um, what I do, did, you do I
0: should now point out as, that. In, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go. On. So I was just going to say that in that process, I also, uh, I also consulted uh, 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 a lawyer, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that I had all my bases covered. And uh, so, I think that uh, I think I would. Uh, it's a personal decision of every individual in the HD community uh, whether to go public or not with status, I, and uh, I think that it's uh, it's good to consult a lot of people, including mm-hmm. uh, including uh, legal uh, uh, people in, in in the legal profession. So uh, I just made sure sure that I made sure that I had as many things. Uh, Many, as many bases covered before I, I went forward with that, which is the same thing with genetic testing. You know, before I went through genetic testing, but before we did that, we made sure that I got uh, long-term healthcare insurance and uh, uh, just got other all our ducks lined up before I took that, the big step of finding out my, my genetic status. And uh, so that it, that's why there's, when you find out about HD, there's no need to rush into testing. Uh, and uh, so, anyway, but I, you were going to ask another question.
1: Oh, um, I was just going to ask, um, as somebody who's pre-symptomatic, you know, what do you do? Not well, I guess. What do you do to keep the symptoms at bay, so to speak? Um, obviously, we can't necessarily keep them at bay, but um, we can right. try.
0: Uh. (laughs) well yes i think that what i what i've learned and i'm i'm not a scientist i'm uh and and uh but i've just talked to a lot of scientists and have tried to read as much as possible and i think that uh from my personal standpoint what i've tried to do is obviously some very basic things make sure that i get in Good aerobic exercise every day. Uh, we're fortunate to have a swimming pool in our our backyard because we live in California. So when the weather's good, I swim, and I uh, or walk or go on an exercise bike. And so just keeping up that aerobic exercise, I've I've, ma- I've maintained my weight uh, pretty stable over the years, and. Uh, avoid junk food avoid restaurant food uh, uh, you know we don't go to a, restaurants all that often compared to I think the average American we our family goes less to restaurants uh, and for for health reasons and we uh, we try to uh, avoid red meat uh, in our diet uh, we primarily have fish and chicken and lots of salads Lots of fresh vegetables uh you know we, we try to 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 get close to the to the mediterranean diet and uh uh try to have uh you know if, if we have meat uh in one meal make the other meal vegetarian so to not again not have too much animal protein intake and uh i the blog itself in my case is a great has been a great boost to me emotionally. And I think that
1: mm-hmm.
0: what the, what uh, not everybody can blog, but you know, not everybody can, you know, play the piano. Not everybody can, you know, uh, you know, uh, shoot a basket. I mean, we, we can, we can all, but we can all find our, what we like to do. What's our passion, find your passion. Everybody can find a passion, uh, you don't have to be a blogger to you know uh you can do something else that is is your passion and and that you believe helps you and do what you believe helps and I've also taken supplements over the years but but uh but always under a doctor's direction i i've taken i started taking supplements uh primarily through the uh the huntington's disease drug works program. That was founded by Dr. Levon Goodman, who's very well known in the HD community. And uh, so, I don't I don't take things that are I just read about on Facebook or that uh, you, you know you read somewhere on the internet. Uh, uh, approach the supplements with with great care. And then when those supplements were shown to not be effective, I stopped taking them. For example, creatine. And coenzyme Q10. I don't, I don't, uh, uh, I don't take those anymore uh, because uh, they were shown in, in clinical trials not not to really help uh, with Huntington's disease. And so, uh, but uh, I, I always always consulting a doctor about uh, things uh, such as as supplements and uh, psychiatric medications uh, that I. Uh, uh, take uh, to help me remain stable uh, obviously in consultation with with doctors. I've also had a psycho uh, a counselor, a psychological counselor, a psychotherapist over the past 20 years that I've been very fortunate to work with because after I found out about my mom's diagnosis and then getting close to the moment of doing my own test uh, it was very, very difficult for me uh, uh, emotionally, and so I started working with a psychological counselor and have built a relationship with that individual and continue to see her on a on a regular basis and so uh, and, and that 's important i think in helping me uh deal with my fears and my uh, uh, about huntington 's and so that's just, those are just some of the things I've done. And, uh, uh, and you know, again, I, I think that scientists will say these things that I'm doing there, there are a lot of them are what's considered enrichment. So I think anything that is enriching to your life is important, whether you like hiking or following sports or whatever it is that you like, just, just do it, continue to do it. And, uh, I think that, uh, uh, otherwise we, you know, we just have to lead our lives as best we can. Uh, you know, as someone once said, I think it's been said uh, many times in the HD community, you know, plan, plan for the disease, uh, as if you're going to get it, you know, get your insurance lined up and your health care, and, you know, take care of yourself, but also live your life as much as possible as if, as if you're not going to get the disease because in other words, don't, don't give up what you love and enjoy, you know, just try to lead as normal a life as possible. Yeah. And I, and think, I think that's,
1: that's an, a spir- really important point.
0: I think spirituality is another uh, area that I've delved into. Uh, I mean, I've, I was, Raised in in the Catholic Church and consider myself still to be uh, a, a Catholic, and uh, I, I'm certainly not a traditional kind of Catholic, but uh, I, I, I'm you know very much a, a, a follower of, of Pope Francis and uh, his uh, his uh, teachings of, of mercy, uh, which is very important for our community. He certainly showed great mercy to the HD community when he received so many of us in Rome and in, in 2017. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of Pope Francis and the, 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 the type of Catholicism that he uh, represents uh, which is, it's not a religion of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts, but a, a, a religion of, of, of mercy and, and caregiving and, you know, uh, uh, you know, extending a hand to those most in need. Uh, I think he's a great, a great symbol of that. And uh, uh, he's inspired me in, in, in so many ways. And uh, so, and I think that uh, having, uh, you know, you don't, you don't even have to believe in God to have a spiritual life. I mean, I do, I am a believer, but you don't have to be a believer to, to have a spiritual life uh i think that the way we evolved as humans and i do you know i i do believe in that we have evolved uh and uh, uh and so i think that uh the way we evolved as humans is that we 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 are spiritual beings because whether we believe in a in the supreme being or not is the, the fact of the matter is that we all wonder about life. We all wonder where we've come from, where we're going. We all look up at the sky and, you know, look at that in, in amazement. And uh, so I think that we need to, uh, I believe, and for my life, that I need to keep plugged into that kind of uh, activity. And I, I do meditate on a daily basis. Uh, I, uh, my day is not complete unless I meditate and my meditation includes reading, uh, from, uh, uh Catholic, uh, spiritual guides. I, I read a little booklet called living faith, uh, daily Catholic devotions. That's part of my, uh, daily, uh, uh meditation. And, uh, so I think that spirituality is also important in, in, uh, maintaining, uh, uh, a good, good help. I definitely agree,
1: and I, I bet you know getting to um, actually go. You went to the Vatican, correct? And and actually got to meet Pope Francis.
0: That's that's correct. Yes, we we were part of a hidden H H D Den H D Den No More Hidden No More uh, hashtag Hidden No More. And uh, yes, that was in, in May of 2017. We're coming up already on my gosh, the second anniversary this month of that uh, of that yeah. amazing uh, special audience that uh, uh, Charles, uh, our, our our global advocate, Charles Sabine, uh, and Senator Elena Cataneo of Italy, who's also a leading HD researcher uh they uh they helped arrange along with uh, with with others in the HD community for this wonderful meeting uh with with the pope in in Rome and there were that was the largest gathering ever that we know of of Huntington's disease uh people with Huntington's disease uh in a single room because in, in the audience, there were altogether about 1,500 people. Some people say 1,700. I was a little more conservative wow. in my estimate, but somewhere from 1,500 to 1,700 people, uh, and, and among those hundreds of uh, HD families uh, from around the world, and uh, from, I think from over 20 countries and uh uh, also, that audience was held uh, in solidarity with the HD communities of South America, which where Pope Francis is from. There were right. uh, people from Argentina, his home country, uh, from Venezuela, where of course the uh, research was done for discovering the HD gene by the Wexler family and others, and uh, and also from Colombia and then uh, Brazil also had representatives so and there were people from other countries too and uh, so this was a wonderful moment for the Pope to uh, see how Huntington's has affected people in his home in his home country in his home continent and uh, to express solidarity with them and the entire HD community and it really was a, a moment of of, of of hope and awareness for our community I, I can't There's been, as you know, Huntington's doesn't really make it into the mainstream news all that often, but uh, during that week, there was there was a lot of news coverage of HD, thanks to what Pope Francis was doing.
1: Oh yeah, I remember it was just so amazing um, to see all of it, and uh, you know, I know you shared photos, others were sharing photos on Facebook, and it was just so amazing. And we don't have a lot of time left, but um, I guess let me ask you this. What would you recommend for people um, for HD Awareness Month as far as, um, you know, how how can they get involved? I think you really hit on this earlier, too, about finding your passion, and we're all different, you know, we all have different passions and things that we're good at. And, um, you know, how do we turn that into uh, a way to bring awareness uh, to Huntington's.
0: Well, I, I before before we got on on the phone today, Lauren, I was going over uh, the uh, HDSA Huntington's Huntington's Disease Awareness Month uh, 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 booklet, a uh, little uh, what they call the campaign toolkit, and it it, it reminds us uh, that we need to talk about HD. And uh, this this is a, a very important reminder to to all of us. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm an advocate. I'm a blogger, but I, I need to be reminded of this too, just like all of us, that we need to continue telling our stories and we need to talk about HD. I mean, now I know one thing I'm going to do is share this uh, once the podcast uh, of of today's broadcast is is available. I'm going to share it with my university and my colleagues and my uh, in, in the department where I work and uh, and share it with other people, uh, share it on my, my Facebook pages. And uh, so uh, I think we need, we need to keep talking about HD. We need to keep sharing our, our story and uh, and just as much as possible, reach out to people that we know. Uh, if we know somebody in the media, if we know somebody in Congress, if we know somebody know somebody in, in a local city council or a pastor at our local uh, church or, uh, you know, someone at our local synagogue or mosque. Just, you know, reach out to all these people and let them know what, what HD is. And uh, I, 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 I need to remember, too, uh, to wear my, uh, my blue uh, HD uh, uh, wristband and, uh, you know, as, as awareness for Huntington's disease uh, this, this month. And uh, mm-hmm. so I think – and, and uh, telling our stories can – talking about HD can begin within our families. Uh, if, you're not, if you're not at the stage yet where you want to talk to somebody at your church or in your community or in the media or, in, in, in the, you know, in, in politics, talk, talk among your friends. Talk among your your family members about HD, and uh, just let them know that uh, it's something that affects you and and that you're very concerned about, and uh, uh, and that we all need uh, the help of others uh, to defeat HD. We can't we can't defeat HD on our own. I'm I'm always so very thankful in our Uh, quest to defeat HD that so many people at our side are from families that are not affected by HD. And so I think that uh, one thing we can do during awareness month is to continue to reach out to people whose families aren't affected by the disease, but who may be close friends or colleagues at work that you can start talking to about HD. So, that would be my, my message to and, – and to, uh, and to remember also during this month the, the great hope that we do have with, with clinical trials. I, I think that this is a – we didn't really talk about that today, and that's fine. That can be for another day or a, other guests can talk about those topics. But the, the, the great hope of, of the Roche-Ionis uh, uh, clinical trial program and the other clinical trial programs that are in progress, are really, really, really unprecedented, I think, in, in, in the history of HD. I mean, when I got involved 20 years ago as an advocate, there was practically zero hope in terms of there being some kind of treatment. But today, there's, there's real hope. And I think that can be another message for our community to, to uh, emphasize during this HD Awareness Month.
1: Absolutely. And I definitely would love to have you come back on and we can discuss more about that hope. Um, You know, we'll definitely do another show on that because I think we could spend a whole other show just talking about that. Um, But I want to thank you so much for coming on with me and talking with me. And um, I just hope that you have a wonderful day and a great HD awareness month.
0: Thank you, Lauren, again, for this opportunity and uh, a big, a big hello to everybody out there, and uh, w- and uh, thank you again to uh, what Help for HD is is doing. And uh, as again, together, together we we are going to defeat HD. I truly believe.
1: I am with you. You have a great day.
0: You too, Lauren. Take care now.
1: You too. Bye bye.